Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Life Study emphasizes the capital L life that can be found in the scriptures. Jesus himself said in John 6:63, "The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life." This is the fruit of over 70 years of ministry by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Watchman Nee began his ministry in China in the 1920s and it continued until his imprisonment and eventual martyrdom in the 1970s. Witness Lee brought this ministry to the United States in 1962 and began speaking these life study messages in 1974, completing it in 1995. To find out more, you can visit our website, lifestudy.com. Again, that's lifestudy.com. Now, let's join today's program. In Matthew chapter 10, the Lord Jesus appointed his 12 apostles. Later in that chapter, he sent them out to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God, enlarging his earthly ministry. But before he sent them out to the cities of Israel to proclaim this gospel, he first prepared them to be persecuted and rejected by both the religious and political institutions of that time. This persecution always accompanies the enlargement of the king's ministry. Bob Danker has joined us today as we once again look at the Lord's sheep in the midst of all the wolves of religion and politics. Welcome to the program, Bob. Again, Chris, it's a pleasure to be with you. Well, Bob, as mentioned, today we're particularly going to look at the persecution and rejection that awaited the apostles as the Lord sent them out. But maybe as an introduction, you could review a few of the other items that were part of their preparation as they were preparing to go out and really become the enlargement of the king's ministry. Well, Chris, it's very uh, comforting to know that the Lord does not send us out unprepared and unequipped. He always prepares us and equips us. First of all, Matthew tells us that the Lord gave to these sent ones his authority. They had the authority to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, to cast out demons. They had the kingly authority, which was the authority of the king himself when they went out to enlarge the king's ministry. And not only that, but they also went out with the king's presence and the king's peace. When they came into a city or a village, they would go to a house, and if that house was worthy, they would put their peace upon that house. If it was not worthy, they would take their peace with them. This is quite a word. It tells us that the sent ones had the peace of the king with them, and they could bestow that peace on a house or not, depending on the reaction of the people. So they were very, very well equipped. And in this broadcast, we will see more of the equipment that they had. Well, we uh, mentioned this term in the midst of wolves in our introduction. That comes from Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 and 17. And that's a big part of our program today. Let's use that as an introduction to this first portion of Witness Lee's sharing. Verse 16 says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep, in the midst of wolves, be therefore prudent as serpents and guileless as doves. And verse 17, and beware of men, for they will deliver you up to Sanhedrins, and in their synagogues they will scourge you. So not a uh, pleasant picture awaited the apostles as they were being prepared and sent out. Let's join Witness Lee, and we'll find out more, Bob. In this word, firstly, 
the Lord has pointed out that the whole world today is under the enemy's usurping hand. And the whole world today is against God's economy. In other words, regardless whether the Jews or the Gentiles, all of them are opposing God's kingdom. Even by that time when Lord Jesus was on this earth, there was a nation which in name belonged to God. Actually, even that nation was fully taken over by God's enemy. Here you can see the Lord used these terms, Sanhedrin, synagogue, both these two places in the Lord's word were exposed to be something opposing to God's economy. Because here, the Lord's word made it clear that his apostles, his sent ones, will be what? Will be arrested to the sanctuary and will be scourged in the synagogue. The Lord Jesus likened the people of Sanhedrin and the people of synagogue as wolves. The Lord said, I sent you to them like sheep sent to the wolf. Could you believe that those people in Sanhedrin, in the synagogue, carrying the Holy Word of God, expounding it and teaching it, and exhorting people according to it, they were wolves. If this is not exposed by the Lord Jesus' word directly, I couldn't believe. I would say, well, they may make some mistake, but we have to admit they are God's people because they are talking day by day the scripture. And they are teaching people to fear uh, God, to worship God, to honor God, to go to God. They're not bad. I don't think they are wolves. But the Lord Jesus called them the wolves. These are the religious wolves. Not that well. Very nice. Very cultured. Very civilized. Knowing the Bible so well quoting the verses, and do the good thing, worshiping God in Sanhedrin, synagogue. But they are not considered, or they were not considered by the Lord Jesus as sheep. But they were considered by him as wolves. So again, by that time, among the children of Israel, that was absolutely a complicated situation. Wolves and uh, sheep all mixed together. Well, for sure, this was a very complicated, complex situation, Bob. Just who were the sheep in these verses, and who were the wolves, and also what's symbolized by the Sanhedrin and the synagogue? Well, Chris, in speaking about the sheep here, of course, the Lord was referring to the apostles themselves. They were sheep, and also those whom they met in their preaching of the gospel, whose heart was open to the word of the gospel and 
to receive Christ as the king of the kingdom of the heavens and to allow him to bring the kingdom to them, that they would be under his authority. But the wolves, on the other hand, were the ones who were not open to the gospel. Rather than receive the gospel, they would oppose the Lord and the ones who were sent by him. So in this case, it's rather amazing that the Lord referred to the people in the Sanhedrin, which was the highest court of the Jews at that time, Mm -hmm. and the people of the synagogues. And these were the places where the Jewish people met to study the scriptures, to read the scriptures to one another, and to talk about the Bible, which at that time, of course, was the Old Testament. These were the places where the religious people would gather together to speak about the Bible. And here the Lord referred to these people as wolves, not as sheep, because they were the ones who were not open to receive the heavenly king or his heavenly kingdom. They had their own you might say, a little kingdom already built up. And when the Lord came to them, they rejected him. They not only rejected him, they opposed him. And eventually we know it was the Jewish religious people of that day who eventually had him crucified. So actually in the Lord's ministry on the earth, he was persecuted more by the religious people than by the Gentiles or the pagans, the unreligious people. You would think that religious people who read the Bible, who even teach the Bible, they would be the most godly ones, and they would be the ones who would welcome Christ when he came or when his sent ones came. But it was the other way around. So these people, these religious ones, they had an outward form of godliness, but inwardly they were like wolves, ready to devour those who came to them as the Lord's representatives, the representatives of his kingdom. Well, I would say, Chris, that even today the situation is not different. There are religious people who have an outward appearance of being godly and God-fearing, but inwardly, when you try to speak to them concerning Christ and the kingdom, uh, you try to bring the Lord's authority to them, they turn on you like wolves and they oppose and persecute. And this is what the Lord was referring to here. We wouldn't expect this to happen. It may seem as a shock to us, but it is a reality. It's interesting, Bob, that obviously uh, Christ knew that this would be their response because he prepared the disciples in advance that this would be the reaction they would receive from the religious ones. By this time, he was clearly outside of religion, the old religion and even the new religion of the day. That's right, Chris. The Lord knew what was in the heart of the people. He could see beneath the surface. Well, not only were the apostles, as they were being sent out, about to be rejected and persecuted by the religious leaders of the day, of course, the political situation was not that clear or clean either. And as we go on in chapter 10, verses 18, 19, and 20, we're going to see a very interesting scenario set up here. Let's read these three verses as we prepare to go to the next section. And you will also be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not be anxious about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For you are not the one speaking, but the Spirit of your Father is the one speaking in you. A marvelous promise to God's sent ones. Let's go back to Witness Lee. The Lord told his sent ones that they will be delivered even 
not only to the censoring, but also to the kings, to the governed. No doubt, this refers to the Gentiles. So it says, you will be testimony to the kings and the nations. The word nations here is just the word for Gentiles. So the law also indicated not only the Jewish religious world was opposing to God's kingdom. The religious world and the political world all are the same opposing to the kingdom of the heavens. Because today, both the political world and the religious world are under the usurping hand of God's enemy. Now, the heavenly king is establishing his heavenly kingdom on this earth within the territory of religion and politics. Surely this will stir up what? Oppositions. Surely this will stir up persecutions. It is quite a complicated situation. The Lord charged his sin ones not only to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove, but also when the sin ones are going to meet the persecution, don't talk by yourself. Don't be so thoughtful. Why? You have to realize as the sent one, the spirit of your father is with you. You have to learn, don't try to face the persecution, the opposition by yourself. You have to turn to your spirit. And you have to trust in the indwelling spirit. So he will take care of all the dealings with the opposers, with the persecutors. It's not so easy. You see, we all have to learn to face the opposition, to confront our attackings, not by ourselves, but by turning to our spirit where the spirit of God dwells, which was in him. Let him say something. Let him lead us. Let him do the speaking. Bob, what a marvelous promise to all of God's people that love him to such an extent that they would be willing even to risk their lives for the sake of his testimony. Before all of those who oppose the truth of Christ and his gospel, he promises to give us the words to speak. But let's talk about the principle that's presented here, even as it's applicable to all of us even every day. Yes, Chris, in everything, this is a principle that we should apply. We should never trust in ourselves in dealing with or facing any situation. And here, of course, the Lord was training his disciples or preparing them to face a situation of persecution. And, of course, when you're under persecution, you surely would be tempted to be anxious. And you wonder, what should I say to my opposers, to my persecutors? How should I respond to them? How should I face this situation? And so you might be prone or tempted to think in your mind or consider a reason in your own thoughts to try to come up with a way to respond. But here the Lord reminded the disciples who were his sent ones that the spirit of the Father 
was with them and even in them. And this, I would say, is the greatest promise and the greatest resource that we have as the Lord's sent ones. We don't need to rely on what we have in ourselves to face any situation. If we could only learn this one thing, that in every situation, especially when we're being persecuted, if we would just stop our reasoning, stop our thinking, calm our emotions, and turn to our spirit, we would find that the spirit of our Father, who is just the spirit of God, is dwelling in our spirit, and he will lead us how to deal with the situation, and he will even speak in us and speak through us to these opposers and persecutors. And he will give us the way to face this situation of persecution. If we could learn this principle that we should never trust in ourselves, but should always turn to our spirit, this spirit is just one with our spirit. He's within us, and we can turn to him, and we can rely on him, and he will lead us, and he will speak through us. Tremendous, Bob, as we were listening there. This term, the Spirit of the Father, doesn't appear in many instances, does it? It's interesting that the Lord has selected this portion to bring this matter out. This divine title shows us that the Spirit and the Father are one, just as the Son and the Spirit are one. Well, Bob, that leads into this next section because there's an implication also here that not only is there a oneness between the Spirit and the Father and the Son and the Spirit and the Son and the Father, but there's a oneness that we're incorporated into that will be a sustaining supply to us when we face persecution. Let's go back to Witness Lee. The king assured his sin ones that not only they have the authority, not only they have the peace of the king, not only they have the spirit of the Father with them, they are also what? They are also when with the king, they are identified to the king. Why? Because in the last few verses, the king says clearly, if anyone receives the sin ones of the king, that means they receive the king himself. Because all the sin ones are identified to the king. They are identified with the king. They are one with the king. The king, on the one hand, was the prophet sent by God. And the king, on the other hand, was a real righteous man. Now, all the sent ones are representatives, are the ones who are one with the king. They go out as the prophets, and they go out as the righteous men. Whosoever would receive them would receive the prophet. And whosoever will receive them will receive the righteous man. Now, the prophet always comes with the word of God. And the righteous man always comes with righteousness. If you receive the prophet, surely you get the word of God. If you receive the righteous man, you will get the righteousness. How good it is to have the word of God and to have the righteousness. Right? This will all be a help to you that you might be ushered into not only the reality, but also the manifestation of the kingdom. In other words, all the sin ones are just one with the king. They are identified with the king. 
If you receive them, you receive the king. And these, what? These encouraged the sin ones. They have to realize that they have the authority of the king. They have the peace of the king. They have the spirit of the father. And they are just one with the king. In a good sense, they are just the king. We need to have the assurance of the fact that we have the authority, the peace, the spirit, and the identification. Hallelujah. This is what? The spreading of the king's ministry. And today, we are right now here on this spreading. Right? We are on the spreading of the king's ministry. And we are the same ones. And we have what? Authority, peace, spirit, and the identification. Amen. Well, Bob, I'd like to examine this last point from a particular vantage point, and that is that the sent ones were in such oneness and identification with the king that their ministry was not their own, but rather it was the spreading or even the extension of the king's ministry. Yes, this is a marvelous point, Chris. I'd like to read verse 40 here. The Lord said to his sent ones, He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who has sent me. Here the Lord actually spoke of two identifications. First, he said that the sent ones were identified with him and were one with him to such an extent that if anyone would receive the sent ones, they would receive the Lord. And then the Lord went on to say if they received the Lord, they would receive the one who sent him. That's the Father. So there is a real identification here, a real oneness between the Father who sent the Son, and between the Son who sends us. We are just identified in this marvelous oneness, and this is an encouragement to us. Here the Lord was encouraging his disciples that they had such an identification with him and were so one with him that whoever would receive them would receive him. This is a marvelous oneness that we have with the Lord. So when we go out as the Lord sent ones to take the gospel of the kingdom to people, We need to go with this realization that we're not going, as you said, to carry out our own work. When the Son came to the earth, he said he didn't come to do his own work, but the work of the Father. When we go out, sent by the Lord, we should have the realization that we're not doing our work. We are identified with him. We're one with him, and we're just going out to enlarge and extend his work so that if people receive us, then they receive him. This is a comfort to us and an encouragement, this oneness that we have with the Lord. Bob, there's a lot here to be encouraged with as we go through this message. Of course, there's a sober warning that as we desire to be his sent ones and as we're prepared by him for such service, we can expect to be persecuted from the religious and from the political, from both sides, maybe family, uh, friends, the whole spectrum of the world will attack and persecute those whom the Lord has sent. But we have the two promises here that we can really latch on to in these last two sections. That number one, we have been given the spirit of the Father that will supply us what to speak and when to speak. And finally, we're fully identified with him in the enlargement of his ministry. Wonderful word today. This is a wonderful word, Chris. Thank you for your fellowship and participation. And as always, please accept our invitation to come back again very soon. Well, I'm looking forward to the next time. If you're following along, would like to get into uh, the resource that we 
used for this program, we invite you to contact us about the printed Life Study messages. It's a six-volume set, really, for the entire Life Study of Matthew. Of course, you can purchase the individual volumes if you'd like. And our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Or we invite you to write to us at Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or send email to us to radio at lsm.org. For Bob Danker today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you'd like to read the works of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, just visit our website, ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll find over 600 complete titles available to read online free of charge. Witness Lee's ministry stood squarely on the shoulders of his mentor and co-worker, Watchman Nee as well as those of countless ministers of the New Testament throughout the ages. The riches contained in his life study of the Bible represent the top, the cream of his 70-plus years of ministry and range in topic from lessons for new believers to commentary and exposition on passages from every book of the Bible. But they all contain practical and deeper truths about the Christian life. Again, this wonderful online resource is available to you free of charge at ministrybooks.org. If you have questions or comments about this ministry or the program you heard today, email us radio at lsm.org or call us toll free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening today.